0: Welcome to the Black Theatre History Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the people, the plays, and the rich stories of the American theater's African American history makers. I'm K.B. Sane. Today's episode is our Young, Gifted, and Black discussion. My guests are Tiffany Thompson and Taylor Daniels, two 20-somethings who are making it as theatre artists. Tiffany Renee Thompson is a NYC-based, born and raised actress. When she's not on stage, she is involved with organizing events or teaching performing arts within communities of color. She b- believes strongly in using her art for activism. Her recent acting credits include regional productions and tours of Ghost the Musical, Little Shop of Horrors, and Susical. Tiffany is also a dancer and works with contemporary dance companies in New York. Taylor Daniels is a performer born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. He moved to New York for school, where he attended NYU Tisch and received a BFA in drama. After graduation, Taylor went on tour with Andy Blankenbuehler's and Bueller's Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, followed by Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella's National Tour. Taylor then worked regionally, before joining the first national touring company of Hamilton, where you can catch him soon in a town near you. Taylor is also an aspiring choreographer. Since there are technically two interviews in one here, I'm giving myself permission for this episode to actually be longer than 30 minutes, But I wanted to give as much time as I could to the truth that these guys were dropping in our room. So with that said, let's jump right in. So I like to start every podcast episode by asking um, for a little bit of background about the artist that's not bio-driven. So I'm curious about what your, your background and your training and your mentors and your great influences are that got you to here. So Taylor, do you mind starting?
1: Sure. Um, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and the story I tell everyone, I was super young and, like, dancing around my living room, and my aunt, nope, my great-grandmother was like, to my mom, you have to put him in dance, or, like, some form of, like, constructive activity. Um, (laughs) And I think I started with Little Jim, learning, like, forward rolls and somersaults and stuff, and then when I was old enough, I did ballet... Um, The first class I hated, I ran out of it after I got a correction, because I had never been touched, like, so intimately. Like, it was very inappropriate. Like, someone was touching my inner thigh to, like, show me how to turn out, and I was probably nine, maybe even younger, but it was just, like, it was so weird. The next day, my parents made me go back, and, like, I'm still dancing today, so it was successful. (laughs) Um, Dance led to uh, being interested in theater. I did a lot of Nutcrackers going up, I went to Disney World, saw people performing, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm. Um, and I started auditioning for theater in high school. My first show I did was Music Man, and then like it just went from there. Along the way, I like trained in Taekwondo, I trained in classical viola, I sang in choir, I played piano, like I did so many things that I didn't know where they were fitting in my schedule but they just did um I also was varsity track captain and I played lacrosse um every little thing that I've done has influenced influenced my artistry like Mm -hmm. now I don't know why it makes sense but when I'm in rehearsal and someone's like Oh, I wish we could, like, use this broom handle. I'm like, well, I can baton twirl, so, like, let's do it. Like, it's just, like, you learn all these things, and then you get to use them. So it's been a melting pot of a bunch of things. What about,
0: um, like, as you continued, um, tell us where you trained, okay. what you did, who your mentors were. Fab.
1: Um, I started ballet at Pine Camp. My mentor was Mrs. Holt, who still is with us, but I don't know if she teaches as much. But when I was in Richmond for... I think for um, Cinderella one of the dressers worked at Pine Camp and like he was like she can't make it to the show but like she wants to say like like keep working like all that stuff like crazy Um, and then while I was at Pine Camp and I started doing competitions with their city dance troupe I also danced at the Concert Ballet of Virginia and Richmond Ballet of Virginia so Richmond Ballet was like the top tier in Richmond and then concert ballet gave you the opportunity but wasn't as serious as Richmond ballet and then pine camp catered to like an inner city feel like they definitely had the resources and stuff that other people didn't have which was cool but i had like my hand in every level of training at the same time kind of
0: when you got out of high school
1: well it's funny i stopped dancing in eighth grade because my school had a school had a school sports requirement for two seasons Mm -hmm. so i stopped dancing completely Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until 11th grade maybe 10th grade for that music man audition we had to dance and like i think my closest friends knew i danced um, or like, that level of dance training, but, like, the room was gagged when I started dancing because they were like, where did this come from? Like, this isn't casual. Like, he's yeah. twirling, yes. <laughs> and, like, it looks good. Like, that's weird. Like, he's six feet tall, and, like, it's a room of, like, blonde-haired white girls, like, who dance, mm-hmm. and, like, we've never seen you in class. Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy. But... You said mentors. My mentors in in high school were, like, Kenji, Keith, and Ted, which was weird and hilarious because, like, they were all, like, a dad to me in a different way.
0: Kenji won't make sense to the internet. That's fair.
1: Keith saying <laughs> Ted Schaffner and John Shelley.
0: And then college studies?
1: I didn't even know you could go to school for theater. And my school didn't know you could go school for (laughs) theater. oh my god I went to a prep school kindergarten through 12th grade 100% matriculation you had to go to college or you had to get into college Mm -hmm. sophomore year in high school I was like I want to do theater everyone else wanted gen ed studies um and my what is it called uh thank you and Ted Schaffner they both were like all right well let's figure this out because we've never done this before and so I got songs together, I got monologues together and auditioned at seven different schools and then I got into NYU and I also got into Elon and Ted sat me down. And he was like, "If you got into New York and your parents are willing to pay for it, like you have to go to NYU." And I was like, "But Elon," he was like, "Okay, so moving on. <laughs> like you're going to <laughs> Next. you're going to NYU, like literally." He was like <laughs> Great. Stop talking. Um, and then I went to NYU for four years, which was the best decision ever. I was part of the inaugural class of the new studio on Broadway, which is head by um, Kent Gash, Byron Easley, Donnie Lynn Frazier and Michael McElroy. They're all and Kenneth L Mitchell. They're all like so dedicated to their students, but they wanted to create a new musical theater program and a new theater program that focused on like contemporary learning and didn't put people in a box. Like Mm -hmm. the goal of the program was making, like giving people the training they needed to go out into the world and like create. And unlike other programs, which I didn't attend, so I can't really speak to it, but just from like hearsay, we weren't trained to be in the ensemble and we weren't trained to be leads. We were just trained to use the tools we were given and like take them into the world. Um, and because I was at NYU, in the heart of Manhattan, like, I also got to meet people who I wouldn't have met if I wasn't in New York.
0: Yeah. Tiffany, your experience was exactly backwards. (laughs) I was like...
1: Oh, it is? That's Literally, I was like, because
2: I'm born and raised here in New York City, I started doing music in church because my dad was the minister of music in church, so that was my thing I was Kelvin's daughter so if Kelvin was singing Tiffany was singing Um, and so I was always in the music program through middle school all the way through high school I studied music music I never even thought about theater I was like that looks cool and the kids on all like literally I was like the kids on all that they look like that's something I feel like I could do but that's cool like it wasn't something that I felt was like tangible um, so it was always like I was in any choir in school you could think of. That was me. I was always doing classical music, like um and then I wanna say my freshman year I did of high school. I did my first musical which was Sweeney Tide. Mm-hmm. Good choice. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right, who and are you? I huh? Who were
2: you? I was ensemble. <laughs> um, and I was like, yo, this is cool. I think I think I could do something like this but i was still on the idea that i was uh everyone was like well you have to get a practical job so i was like i'm gonna be a psychologist like that's what i'm gonna do and then it turned into i'm gonna be a lawyer like up until my senior year of high school i was like i'm gonna go to law school like that was exactly what i was gonna do and then finally my i was a part of the first class in New York, actually, to take a theater regent, because we take regents in New York. I don't think anyone else does that, yeah. Don't even know what that is. It's basically, like, um, standardized tests that we have to take to say, you've learned all these things, and, yeah, it's just, like, a standardized test that they make all of us take every single year, and it was the first time they had done it for a theater um, in New York, and we were the test dummies, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was kind of where, like, uh, my teacher, Rory, Sw- Rory Schwartz, he taught me anything I needed to know about theater. vaudeville, everything uh, about, for the most part I learned about white theater in high school that was like, you know and halfway through my senior year my mom was like, I don't want to waste money you going to college, like I'm not going to waste money if this is like, whatever you want to do, it needs to be something that you want to do and I was like Kay, I want to do theater and she was like, alright <laughs> so she was like, well, you know you have to make sure that you're going to like a liberal arts college and it has to be like you have to have a backup plan and da da da, da. so Tiffany ended up in West Virginia which is like mm-hmm. the total opposite of what a kid from New York would do ended up there and had right. West Virginia Wesleyan College in in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Cutest little town.
1: Such a good school. <laughs> Such a good yeah.
2: school. <laughs> um and I learned a lot about myself Vocally, and then mm-hmm. I met yeah vocally a lot because I was didn't know I was singing the wrong way for most of my life. Got told I literally got told that if you do not fix the way you are singing by the time mm-hmm. you turn thirty, you will not have a voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, interesting. Um, Mandy Spivak, I owe that to her. Um, and
0: that's a real struggle. Though. A lot yeah. of students don't have the right guidance, and you end up with nodes. and yeah. you end up with really serious issues. Yeah,
2: yep. yeah. I actually. Have a polyp that I have mm-hmm. managed, <laughs> but it was it was from a, all that singing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it was a serious wake up call because I used to have a hoarse voice, losing my mm-hmm. voice all the time. And she was like, "This is why." And through that, I found out I had acid reflux. Didn't even know that because totally related. you know
1: that is the disease of our people, and our people mean theater people.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> um, you know, and then sophomore year uh we had a teacher come in kv sane (laughs) that totally (laughs) that's her (laughs) literally like changed the game for me because i was like oh right there's a side of theater that has to do with black people Mm -hmm. i didn't know that and that kind of
0: but you weren't in my class. Yes, I was. Were you in the Black Theater
2: class? No, I was in your directing class. Oh,
0: yes. but yes, yes, yes. And
2: you were like, you snatched me up real quick. <laughs> because you weren't in the Black Theater <laughs> class. <laughs> yeah, she snatched me up real quick. I was your assistant director for mm-hmm. Tartuffe. Mm-hmm. And totally kind of just shifted me as a person and being like, oh, theater as a black woman means something completely different than what I thought it was because I was kind of going about life going through life like a white woman in theater thinking Mm. that.
0: That's one of the problems with training. Yeah. Is that that's the default.
2: Because I even had a situation where I asked one of my professors, they were like going through like, telling people about types which I feel like you shouldn't necessarily do. Sure. Mm -hmm. And got to me, the only black girl in the class, and they were like uh... Girl next (laughs) (laughs) They had no (laughs) input. And I was like Great! Great, great, great! So I'm going to graduate, and I don't really know. Um,
0: and then after, so for both of you, I think one of the interesting things, and, you know, of course, like, the title like this episode, like, Young, Gifted, in Black, because you guys are, you know, at, at the custom of your <laughs> careers, I, everyone on the internet needs to know the am conscious and <laughs> <laughs> Yes! And shit just happened in the room. Yes! Uh, but, you know, you guys are, are both, you are both working, which frankly is making it Um, and and I feel like particularly here in New York there's this like stigma that if you're not in a starting role on Broadway that you haven't made it whereas like working like actually working and doing this thing and having people pay you for it for a living is actually making it yeah um and so i want to really celebrate that and ask you guys about what experiences you've had i mean you've both done regional work you've both done work here what what experience have you had as a professional that has changed or prepared you um, about the way you think for about your future Mm.
1: i think i've like i'm gonna say i have three points and i'm gonna make it three points (laughs) <laughs> the first being, I never had the, like, I'm doing theater passing as something else. Like, I've, all, luckily, I've always, like, known I'm black because, and it, it's not just because <laughs> of this. So, in our high school that was filled with a million talented people.
0: Uh, 99.2% of whom were white.
1: Yeah. So, my first role was Tommy Gilles, like I said. And Tommy um, is, like, the... Is the bad kid in town, but, like, also is a fierce dancer. It's, like, a very strange track. But, um... So, it was, like, me doing that because the part was right. But then we also had to, like, face the fact that, like, no one in the town likes him. Because he's the bad kid, but, like, the bad kid's only black kid on stage. So, like, that was strike one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then strike two was... Romeo and Juliet, the community really didn't like that I played Romeo, and then mm. lastly, I played Jim in Big River, mm-hmm. which, like, wasn't uh he's playing a white role, it just, like, it was a black guy playing a black person role, but it was, like, the first time they were like, oh, like, he's a slave, like, because he's playing a slave in the show, but it also, like, did something else to, like, the community to just mm. be like, wait a second, like, before we were doing all these shows that, like, anyone could be a part of, but this is very polarizing. I
0: bet. I mean, honestly, and, and I don't know, I forgive me all of collegiate history if I'm saying this wrong, but I think that that might actually have been the first show that they did that had a role that was endemically
1: black. Unpro- wow. Probably. But like... Really, truly. Because they could. The cool thing about it was, like, there was no weight on my shoulders, that I knew about, mm. like I was just gonna like mm. learn my lines, hit my costume changes, and like sing the crap out of it, and that's what happened. But what I didn't know was happening was like a lot of tension and just people like like unrest that really? the people who were in charge of the theater program were dealing with. Like Ted Schaffner, who I like owe so much to, came up to me who's like, "Look, I just need to make sure like you're okay with this." Like, this is what's going to happen with casting, and I need to know that you can, like, carry this show. Mm. And, like, I didn't know what that meant, so I said yes. (laughs) I was like, of course. Like, duh. Oh, good. Um, Mike Boyd, who still Mm. super brought me into his office before play practice or something like it very strange because i didn't have any interaction with him mm. he was in charge of the band and then became uh like he, everything arts became his deal he was like so like we need to make sure like you're okay with this going forward and i was like this is the second conversation <laughs> Why we- about something i don't understand what i'm talking about yeah. like I'm so good with this. During rehearsals, we had, a like, all the black people in the show. And, like, we were so educated on black history and, like, origins and, like, all that stuff. Because when we learned... Like, we were taught stuff in high school. Like, they didn't try to skim or, like, skimp away from anything, however uncomfortable they were. But, like, we held on to that. Because we were like, oh, that looks familiar. Like, that's our people. Like, we should know our history. Right. But the white kids in high school who, like we already had American history. Like Mm -hmm. they were being reminded of things that they probably felt uncomfortable dealing with at the time, which like makes sense, but we have to keep having these situations because they're reminded. So like I was super lucky at an earlier age to be put in situations where I had to buck up and just like deal with things Mm. without knowing that I was like at the front lines of whatever battle was going to happen. Like I got, it was like a cool situation. Um, and then going forward, like, I moved to New York, which I did, like, the Alvin Ailey summer intensive, which was crazy, but I was dancing with a bunch of black people. Like, it, it, like, all of the things were just, like, New York's a melting pot, I'm gonna see every color under the sun, I'm dancing with all black people, so, like, I feel comfortable, and I went to a predominantly white school before any of this happened, so, like, I always had, like, like, stimuli of different cultures, so, like, I didn't have that moment of, oh, this is what this is, mm. which mm-hmm. I, like, got super lucky about. But mm-hmm. I know that's not everyone's journey, but, um, I mean, I have the current climate we're in, I have my opinions, I kind of had a situation, it's hard now doing black shows when a black person isn't the head of it i'm gonna hold that yeah and
0: go to tiffany and then i want to come back because that's something that's particularly interesting um uh (laughs) it
2: actually goes back to my most recent contract um i this was my first time finally auditioning for a part and getting it because i ensemble i will slay yeah but this was my first time like, mm. really getting a part, and I had thought that I was ready for it. And then when it happened, I was like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And it was a for lot... For what
0: reasons did you not feel ready?
2: I just wasn't confident in myself, because I actually had a casting director friend, Holly Busick, which is amazing, tell me that she always felt like when I was in the room that there was something I was always holding back and it was something I I was like, oh, I was like, I don't see it. Like, I don't know. And so she had me be a reader one day to really look at people and see what they're doing. And mm-hmm. so just so I could understand, like, why that I'm holding back. And I was like, oh, I see it now. There are things that I just decide not to tap into that I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. So finally getting the part, I said, oh, my God, I actually have to start. I have to do it. I have to and I can't hold back. And... I used to have panic attacks. I had to take like mucus thinners.
1: Oh, Mucinex?
2: Yeah, cuz I was literally like I would have this like it yeah, was horrible. Yourself, I though. was just like mm. it was it was it was terrible, but at the same time, it was something that groomed me so much. I was like a machine. Like I was like I have to work out before every show. I have to make sure I'm doing this. I like it made me such a machine. And I was like, I know that there's a standard now Mm -hmm. that I have to hold myself to. And I can no longer, you know.
1: Oh, can we put a pin in the standard thing? That's so fierce. Yeah. That just, like, hit me. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. I, I was like, I can't pussyfoot around my talent anymore. Because I know that there's something there. And this recent contract is honestly what, like let me walk in auditions I'm like okay Tiff work it out do what you gotta mm-hmm. do and walk like another one was my first tour it was a kid's show but the director Dan Darren- and. yes and. yeah yes and yes and um Darren Katz resident director for a uh, Lion King for like five years dope guy he forced me forced me to work he would literally chase me around the room mm-hmm. while I was saying my lines he was like no no we're getting there and it was the first time that i spoke up for myself in mm-hmm. a room because he was you know he was trying to it was a character that i had originated so no one knew it was just kind of like whatever you do is what the character is everyone else's characters had really they it was obvious who they were but the writers we're literally in the room sometime taking things out of my character. So I was like, I literally have no way of yeah. figuring out who she is. And you're making it harder and harder. So there was one day that he asked me. He was like, you know, giving me specific people. And I told him, I said, because I'm playing a villain. I do not want to be the angry black woman in this show. I'm the only black woman. And I cannot do it. Like I don't want to be the an angry black woman. I don't want to be some you know, I don't want to be the hood black woman. That's not what I'm trying to do Mm -hmm. because I'm about to go and perform in front of children. And who
0: will have that impression? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't Mm
2: -hmm. want that to be they've seen all these people and the only black woman they saw on the show was angry, mean, and, you know, I I wanted them I wanted more. And so that taught me a lot about speaking up Mm -hmm. in rooms. Um Because I feel like sometimes people sometimes allow directors to kind of bully them Mm -hmm. into doing things. Or they just say
0: yes because they want the director to like them. Yeah.
2: Um, So that was a big moment for me. And I want to say honestly, meeting you, Mm -hmm. like for real, for real. Because you were the first theater teacher that was just like so open and honest and zero filter zero filter about anything <laughs> KB had to say. But that's the best part. <laughs> like, and it was kind of... I think we were... I remember at first we were all like, yo, who is this chick? Like, And... Because it was also... She was our first woman mm-hmm. theater teacher. She was the only one we mm-hmm. had. Yeah. You were my first woman who taught me theater. Yeah. Yeah, ever. <laughs> and so you... Uh, you teaching me about black theater, because mm-hmm. that, w- that was an eye-opener. Like, I think you were the first person that said August Wilson to me.
0: Oh. Like, I had no, no I idea. Be like, because I was like,
2: even I remember seeing Joe Turner's uh, coming on, mm-hmm. and I remember being like, what is this? And I, I had that, I did not know. Literally, it was, but you were like, this is August Wilson, this who is who this is the place that you need to read. Get on it. Thank you. Bye. Don't come back until it's done. I was like, okay, KB, you're right. And then let me come and intern at her theater mm-hmm. um, as a ASM, mm-hmm. which were skills that I definitely like locked into. Had me as her AD for Tartuffe, and that was something that I also built upon because I was like, I didn't even know I liked doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just like such a growing moment for me and a big part of me learning. Mm-hmm.
0: in my career, so... Um, so, we put a pin...
1: Oh, in, um... Standard. Standard. So, I am in a really weird spot because I love performing so much. Mm-hmm. And even more than performing, I like teaching and seeing other people get it. Mm-hmm. And that it is whatever the it is. Right. It's like, if they found out how to do a pot de bourree, I'm happy they found out how to do a pot de bourree. Or, like, they realize, like, they can never ever sing a Q-sharp ever again because that's not in their range. Like, that. those moments are so exciting to me. So when I have those moments for myself as a performer, I, like, get lit off of them. Right. So, like, auditions, for example. I love auditioning. hmm Thank
2: I, you.
1: I, I love going into a room, learning a new dance combination, or going into a room with sides I prepared because... No one else is going to do them like me. And, mm-hmm. I, and I've and i come to the conclusion that, like, if I go 110%, they can say nothing but no thank you. Right. And, like, my day is going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, either they found the part they needed or they didn't. But, like, me giving them 50%, I wasted my time and their time. Yep. And the shitty thing, or, like, the great thing, I think it's a bit of both, I've worked in so many different... <laughs> facets and on so many different projects with people who care about what they put into the original thing so Mm -hmm. much that like my performance is forever in their mind it's like Mm -hmm. who cares that I was on this the first national non-ec tour of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat Andy Blankenbuehler still was in rehearsal Mm -hmm. so it's like Mm -hmm. if I know my level of non-ec joseph i can't (laughs) go down from that because like that's what so-and-so's associating me with yeah right and on this last contract i don't know who it was it really doesn't matter but there was a moment where we were having a conversation the cast and i and i sat down i was like i have x amount of years of dance training if you only have half of that you will never stop time and get to my level because like that's not what's gonna happen right but what you need to do is perform at my level yeah because you are here for a reason yeah they saw something in you and they put you on this stage yeah stop complaining about not being able to do three pirouettes on both sides Mm -hmm. you have to hit my performance level because you're doing yourself a disservice yeah Mm -hmm. and like once i realized that no one can say anything to me it's mm-hmm. like if I'm not right for the show I'm not right for the show Yeah. but like what you're not gonna do is tell me I'm not performing because that's one thing I yeah. know how to do and I pride myself in my skill and how far I've come to not go back from that Yeah. I put a pin in it because that's something people need to hear it's like you're always gonna be next to someone yep. who trained at Juilliard mm-hmm. but like you better give Juilliard performance level because they are
2: exactly exactly
0: yeah. So what do you guys feel like as young artists of color? What do you see as, as those things in this industry right now where it stands that need to change?
2: Recently, I've been having a discussion with my friend that um, there's a backlash that people, specifically white performers, are kind of getting a pushback because people of color are now being held to this, being put on the same yeah. standard as white actors. <laughs> And because of that, roles are not being cast as white anymore. Yeah. And they are like it's it automatically becomes that we got it because we are black, or I got it totally. because she was Asian, rather than being like you got it because you were talented, and I worked my butt off.
1: And the gag is I invented it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and the
1: time step you're doing, I invented. Hello. Like
2: that I riff can. that you just pretended to do. Exactly. Says I did that. Exactly. And so for me. I just need there to be a clarity, an education, and an understanding that the equality that is going to happen in the industry is not a handout. Yeah. It is because it is deserved. Mm-hmm. Equality in the community is happening because it is something that is, it's 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 time. You kind of just have to accept it or step aside.
1: And- yeah. <laughs> and I think in that vein, there's a lot of, scrutiny with, like, quote-unquote black shows. Yeah. And the the funny thing is, it's like, if you're doing a piece in 17th century England, like, I'm not gonna be in it. Because that's no. not my story. Same thing with, like, doing Count on a Hot Tin Roof. It's like, we're doing a black show, so it's gonna be cast black. That That polarity, like, I think needs to stay because the plays aren't changing necessarily. But what I am racking my brain around is shows that are doing quote unquote colorblind casting not because they're doing colorblind casting but because they're like no we want to show people that regardless of who's in the role the story will still be told exactly i i think people just need to step back and like listen to those words and kind of accept that because Mm -hmm. it's no more than that it's like I'm not saying that this ingenue can't be a white person because that's happened too much before. I'm just saying the best person who comes into the room is gonna get exactly. it. Exactly. And that and like I'm gonna be in auditions with my eyes closed because I just want it to be the voice. Yeah. Like I want it to be honestly the only person who deserves it is getting the role, that like rubs people the wrong way. And not only that, it scares them. They're like, that never used to happen before. Yeah. Like if there was a production of Piazza. It would only be a white person. Yeah. But I know it doesn't say in the stage directions that it has to be certain. But like, now my my like worldview is flipped upside down. It's like, yeah, accept it. Yeah. That's where we are. Because
2: that's what that's what this country looks like. Exactly. I hope. I also want it to be something that's genuine. Totally. I don't want it to be something that's forced, and that they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. I want. I want. I want them to do it because they mean it, and right. because. It it's well deserved.
1: We and gotta get past the days of like we have to have this many of this in one and this, show, many this many of, many of that.
2: Of no, because
1: your formula is flawed. Yeah, it's just not working. And shows like Hamilton are open, and every company has a different color of every single person, and I like love it. the show is still the show. For people to be like, when we did Hello Dolly, when it first opened, <laughs> we had this many people, and there were this many black people, and, like, the stage looked like a New York City street, well, blah, blah, blah. it's like, okay, but, like, they're doing the same thing, and they didn't have that formula, yeah. and the show's still working. We need people to <laughs> see that, like, regardless of what you look like, your skill level is what we're bringing yeah. to the table. Like, we have to go extreme before we can yeah. just let it be normal. Yeah, because I, I mean? I
2: think I, they just... Someone in L.A. just did a production of... In those keys Oh, oh yeah. Um,
1: um, Fun Home. Yes, Fun Home. Ooh, that was... I, that was that... hard. <laughs> that was hard. That
2: was very hard. I
1: was like... Okay,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, They just did that with an entire Asian cast. I think Leia Salonga was in it.
1: Oh, work. Yeah. And I was
2: just like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Like... It can happen and it's normal because that's what families in America look like. Yes. Yeah. Maybe to
0: close, um, what advice do you have for younger? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you wanna go? You can,
1: you can go. Okay. Yeah. I was just gonna say know where you come from, know who you are, but mm-hmm. like don't let that influence too much of your decision making. Yes. Like you have to put like your ethnicity next to the type you have worked so hard to figure out and like go about the breakdowns that way because if you're like I don't know if you look at a show and it like says Caucasian blah 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 and like you know like you could do that Unless the whole concept of the show is just, like, girl, don't step near that audition room. <laughs> like, go for it. Yeah. Because, like, like you have to know what you bring to the table so someone else can yep. say thank you. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't have looked at it that way. And I think, Lee, in the past few years, it's been, like, nope, that's not right for me. All black production of blah, 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 like, work. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I remember when... I saw, I saw Hamilton at the public before the six month required call, like before anybody could audition. I saw it and I was like, this just changed my life. I don't know any of the words. I don't know any of the songs. I don't know the lyrics, but I know that like the music I listened to on my iPod was just put on stage and it made complete sense. And it was about Alexander Hamilton. Fast forward to when they put the breakdowns out. I've never seen that many brown people excited to bring a rap song into an audition. That doesn't happen. Ever. And if you can do that with, like, Oklahoma, if you can be like, oh, fuck this, Carly, up. Go. Yeah. Just know who... Just don't go into a room not knowing who you are because you're not doing yourself any favors and you're not helping the people behind the table.
2: I receive that. (laughs) Thank you. I would definitely say go in the room and in general with your career being your most authentic self. Yes. Because I feel so much that we get into this field and we start to try to be a cookie cutter version of what everyone else is doing and try to match Mm -hmm. what this person oh well this looks good well let me do what she did and let me and all of a sudden you're just pieces of other people rather than going in and being yourself so if that like for me I joke so much when I'm in the audition room because I'm like that's just who I am I make jokes Mm -hmm. and I feel comfortable if people feel comfortable knowing Mm -hmm. that this is the mouth that you're going to hear in rehearsals.
1: You're right. (laughs) I'm going to say something a little
2: weird and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oops, you know, like uh, one thing that one of my classmates always told me is don't ever say you hate auditioning. Cause like when you said I love auditioning, you have to practice loving audition until, yeah. until you actually do it.
1: No one likes being judged. No,
2: no one likes it. But when you go in and having have fun, it makes the situation better. When you to play time? Yeah, because yes. truth. We're pointing at her right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's 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 my advice. I love folks. that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love
0: both of you very very much i'm super proud of you we love you what you're doing and what you will do and so thank you so much thank you that was tiffany thompson and taylor daniels two young gifted and black artists who are making it in the theater world this is the black theater history podcast i'm kb sane our music is by kaya caterhurst from the album nine pin which can be found on itunes and wherever else fine music is sold Special shout out to Kaya on the release of her latest album, Grenades, which is available now. It's quite good. You should check it out. A second special shout out for support of this episode goes to Scott Bradley, in whose apartment we recorded this dialogue. The Black Theatre History Podcast is produced with the support of Art 26201, which is dedicated to the promotion of public and community art in Buchanan, West Virginia, and works to promote the creative and inspirational opportunities in their community. If you like what we're doing here at the Black Theatre History Podcast and want to support our work, you can make a donation to the podcast or learn about sponsorship and episode commissions at www.blacktheaterhistory.com. And while you're online, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter for updates and information about the podcast. We're on Twitter at Black Theatre Pod. That's theatre with an R-E. And listeners, you also make this podcast possible. Make sure to subscribe to the Black Theatre History Podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you would please take a moment to write a review of the Black Theatre History Podcast. As more people get involved, Apple will share the podcast with more people. And if you know someone who will dig what we do and who's not listening yet, please share our work with them too. We're all on this together, and we've got a lot more to learn. Thanks for listening.